0: Welcome to the Intention Training Podcast, where we talk about training, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and self-care. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5. Hope everyone is doing good and is planning on voting if you can um, and are able to. So before we get into the podcast, we're gonna start off with a little bit of news and check-in like we usually do. Roy?
1: Um, On the voting front, I just wanted to mention that everything I've um, read and listened to has said that they're counting ballots as late as the Thursday following the the primary, which would be August 13th. So even if you're a little late, I highly encourage you to still try and get your ballot in any way you can. Um, You can have them delivered in person um, otherwise, if you mail it, probably be cutting it close. But like I said, Thursday is that last day. So um, even if you haven't done it yet, I highly encourage you to do it. I, when I was doing my research, I was pretty shocked by how hard it was to find good information. Um, but it is out there. So do your research, get your ballot in. It's really important.
0: All right. So how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I just wrapped up my summer internship and got all the materials turned in for school credit. So knock that off. Um, I will be going back to school soon for my last semester, which will be interesting because it's going to be hybrid, um, some online, some in person. I've had a lot of experience with online classes, so I'm not super concerned about that, but I do have some challenging courses because it's my last semester. So, um, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, other than that, I've been good. Everything has been going great with, um, clients, I did find that this past week, I let myself get very overwhelmed with um, just everything I had to do and making sure I had, got new programs out to all my clients on time and started to really kind of second guess myself just because you see what other coaches are doing and you, I, I don't know. When I'm writing programs, I usually find that if I overthink things, um, I kind of get in my own head when usually the first thing that I write is is the correct thing or not necessarily correct. I don't know if there is a correct thing, but is the is a viable option for what I'm trying to accomplish, but sometimes I'll start like scrolling Instagram or looking different exercises up and you just get too deep in the weeds when really the simple choice is usually the best answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was challenging, but I feel like I'm in a better spot now. We've been seeing great, great progress with one-on-one clients, online clients, and then the small groups have been just such a blast. It's mm-hmm. It's been so cool to see these younger athletes um, progress throughout the summer and This upcoming week, we'll be testing some one rep maxes, which I'm looking forward to. I think they're all gonna be um, miles ahead of where they were when we started this Mm -hmm. summer. And I'm excited to see their reaction to that. So um, other than that, my training has been a lot of fun. Still working on training for more power and rather than max strength. So that's been interesting because I haven't really done much of that before. Um, I'll probably highlight kind of what I've been doing um, in the near future so i won't talk too much about it but i've been having a lot of fun with that and that's pretty much it staying busy um otherwise what about you
0: yeah i finished up at Creighton durham hall um the summer strength program there this past week so this week or i guess um last week i had a job interview for a community health worker position um and I have a second interview for that. And then this week, I'm applying to a full-time job, which is going to be wild. Something I never, ever, ever, ever want to work an 8.30 to 5 p.m. job. But that's what you got to do sometimes. Um, So just looking, looking forward. Turns out graduate school is going to be a lot of money. <laughs> So no. <laughs> who knew, um, especially an online program. So that might have to be put on hold. But really, I'm cool with that because, um, whatever whatever happens is the way it's meant to work out. And people think like speaking like that is taking, um, your, you know, ability and authority out of the picture and kind of taking yourself autonomy out of it. But I think really, you can try super hard and if it's not meant to work out for you in that way at that time it won't Yeah. so I'm going to save my energy there
1: yeah I love that outlook and I think you're right I think people will be like well real grinders will make things happen they don't wait for things to happen uh, yeah
0: and then what if you make it happen and something else comes along yeah, that's better you that...
1: jumped in too fast and yeah. it's not the right thing or you made too big of a commitment and now you're, you're burning yourself out things yeah. like that so I do appreciate your perspective and I think um, we've talked about this before, but school is not the only way to learn. And you do so many other things that keep you progressing and yeah. being exposed to different perspectives and ideas. So I have no doubt that you will continue to educate yourself, whether it's in school mm-hmm. or not.
0: And especially if I get this full-time job, because it would be working with um, the indigenous community in Minneapolis. So that would be like, that's what I want to do.
1: Yeah. And really, then I think the number one way to learn is to apply to and do. make mistakes and so that would be really cool and i'm wishing you the best of luck thanks you're welcome so um on the news front i i wanted to keep things rather short um i will i did not do the ongoing brianna taylor count this time just because
0: it's a lot it's, of days it's
1: a lot of days i did
0: hear that they opened up an investigation
1: so that I saw that and there has been an open investigation, unfortunately, the US attorney, I think. So the guy's name is Daniel Cameron. And I mentioned this on the last podcast, but he's backed by, I think it was Mitch McConnell. Um, I I hate to say it, but I don't have high hopes that he will do the right thing. So that puts even more of the onus on us. I'm not sure if I'm using that word right. I think
0: it's onus. Onus.
1: I've never known, but um, more of the responsibility on us to keep. Oh, I've signed so many petitions and I'm sure you all have too and it's hard because it doesn't feel like it's making an impact, but at the end of the day it's 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 important to do and it's more than nothing. And I I really think that just doing everything you can within your power um to push that push us towards a more just society is mm-hmm. something that we all need to be doing and not losing sight of and not going back to quote unquote normal because um, there are people out there who have never known what normal means to us, yeah. and until they can, no, they can feel normal. Then why? It's just why should we? You yeah. Know? Um, so what happened abroad? Yeah. So I don't have a ton of details on this. I just wanted to make sure that we acknowledged um, what happened in Beirut,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Lebanon. Um, <laughs> as far as I know, over over a hundred were killed and four thousand were injured. Um, I don't have a lot of details on the situation, but anytime that. Lives are lost. I think it's important to um, show respect and acknowledge that fact. And
0: yeah, and I heard it was like a result of gross negligence, just leaving extremely flammable, toxic, storing it in a way that it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, stored. I've
1: heard similar things. I, I haven't gotten to deep dive yet, um so I don't want to speculate. But I mean, that should not be happening. And yeah. it's extremely, extremely sad and unfortunate that it did. So. Mm-hmm. Um, If you have any means to donate or help out um, or even just informing yourself on what's going on, I think is always a good idea. So um, then I wanted to mention um, the Minnesota State High School sports that the state of things there. Um, I know that fall sports were either canceled or some were postponed till spring. So. I want to preface by saying I am for whatever is going to keep everybody the safest, but I also have, um, several younger athletes, including one who's been working his ass off all summer for senior football season. And I feel, feel really bad, um, for him. Of course, like I said, the number one priority is keeping everybody safe, but it's still unfortunate, um, and I, I have my doubts about whether they'll actually pull things off in the spring because I know that when I was playing high school sports, there already weren't enough buses for all the teams. So mm-hmm. imagine if they're um, – shoot, what's the word? Condensing fall sports mm-hmm. into uh, spring sports. I, I just – I don't know how it's going to work and I I feel bad for all the athletes out there. Of course, um, in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty small thing. but. Mm-hmm. Lastly, the I wanted to... So in my research for the primaries, um, one of the main arguing points for the school board was the MPS Comprehensive District Design Plan. So I, I gathered some information about this plan. Um, it's pretty divisive um, in terms of the candidates' positions and the sentiment from parents, I think, of different communities. So um, a lot of what I read... Stated that it involves redrawing boundaries for MPS, um, which would cause fifteen percent of students to move schools, and some would move from K through eight to K through five schools. This would also reduce the number of magnet schools while also moving other schools to a centralized location. Um, the superintendent Ed Graff, claims that distance learning only emphasized the need to move forward now, so they just voted this plan to move forward during the COVID nineteen um, period. They. Superintendent Graff said that our school district is not equi- equitably saving all students. So my question is, are you going to buy, equi- I'm sorry, equitably serving all students? My question is, are you going to buy everybody laptops then for distance learning? Because you're saying that it's important to push this plan through um, because not everybody has is being served equally. So are you going to buy everybody laptops then? Are you going to give everybody access to distance learning? Because we've seen young children being locked up for not doing their online homework Mm -hmm. while on parole, so I have my doubts. Um, It will cost $11.5 million in its first year. Some schools will be changing from immersion schools to, quote, community schools, which uh, from what I know about community schools, and if you know anything, Um, that I miss, feel free to chime in. But I think it's uh, the goal is to kind of centralize like resources Mm. um, so that there's some aspects of like healthcare, mental health care, things like that all in one place, which I like that idea. But I I saw several interviews with um, immigrant parents who were extremely um, disheartened by the fact that their immersion schools would be would be changed. So um, there's a lot going on here. And I think that
0: it's very it's very nuanced because, and yeah, he's right. We're not equi- equitably serving all students. Something needs to change there, and I think personally that magnet schools aren't super successful. Usually, magnet schools are are catering to like a science program or um, god like a sports program, something specific like that, and that takes away because usually they're public-private, so that can take away some money from private schools. I mean, from public schools, screw private schools, from public schools um, serving underserved kids.
1: Yeah, and another thing that really stood out to me was a lot of families expressed just not knowing what the plan meant or understanding the language that was in the plan. It's a super long document. So they don't even know if they should support it or not. They don't know what's going to happen to their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a hard place to be in. I, I think MPS, a lot of the language that they're using to describe the plan, it, it sounds really good on the surface level. It it sounds like they're advocating for the right things. Um, but then you have to make it very clear how, how you plan to enact those those things or push through those things. And I don't think they're totally doing that. Plus. Just during this crisis, it seems like a very weird time to be trying to change everything. I mean, I don't know. I, I do. I guess I see both sides a little bit, mm-hmm. but it just seems like not everybody knows what's happening. And that's the main thing that bugs me is that people don't know what's going to happen to their mm-hmm. kids and their education. On top of that, I think coming up with a different way to more equi- equitably serve all students of MPS is is fantastic if they really do it. But another thing that I think is just as important, if not more, is what content are we giving to the children? Because mm. we all know that the curriculums that we had growing up were not very inclusive. They were not very diverse. We were hearing from a lot of white authors um, mm. from one perspective. We were hearing about Columbus. We were hearing about, um, I mean, we all learn about like the Trail of Tears. We, we just, there are these mainstay things in education and I wish that they would give more um, different perspectives and expose kids to different um, things to discuss and help them formulate their own views on things you know
0: yeah and I know that MPS has done quite a bit of research about like um, how far behind indigenous kids are behind white kids and then how far behind black kids usually are Mm -hmm. um, in terms of where the white kids are so i think it's just kind of finding a way to put
1: that research to
0: use but we should move on
1: yes um so yeah i know most of you probably don't come here for this type of content but this stuff is important to us um so if you want to skip through skip through um but i hope that you listen and that it makes you think Mm. So the main the, with that said, the main topic of today's podcast is going to be everything creatine. So Jen did a great job of compiling some background information, what is creatine? why do people take it? who should take it? Um, and we're gonna kind of kick things off with that. And then I have some more specific studies on um, creatine and performance, creatine mm-hmm. and cognition, the actual effects, of creatine. So, we're yeah. going to go through that and then we're going to finish up with some questions from the audience.
0: So, I know that you were talking about some of your younger athletes asking their doctors and physicians mm-hmm. about creatine use and their doctors being like, "No, that is you shouldn't be doing that. It's dangerous." Um, so firstly, I'd like to talk about like what actually is creatine and I think it's surprising to a lot of people because it's a supplement, but it's also made in your body. So, it's a substance found naturally in your muscle cells and it helps your muscles produce energy for more high intensity exercises and movements. So, the things that um most anaerobic mm-hmm.
1: movements. Yep.
0: Um so it also shares yeah.
1: Sorry if I can interject. Just generally we rely on what's called the ATP PC system, which involves creatine, the breakdown of creatine and um, generating ATP for any activity that's between zero and like 15 seconds. Yeah.
0: So it also shares similarities with amino acids, which, you know, are the building blocks of protein. So that's that's good. <laughs> um, and your body can produce it from amino acids, blah, blah, blah. Amino acids, glycine, and arginine. Is it arginine?
1: That's how I've heard it pronounced. Arginine.
0: Um, your creatine stores are affected by meat intake, specifically red meat. So people that eat a lot of red meat probably actually don't need to supplement with creatine, but you'd have to be eating a lot of red meat to do that. So it's generally safer to supplement with creatine. Um, it can also be affected, your creatine stores can also be affected by exercise. The amount of muscle mass you have and levels of hormone hormones like testosterone. Um, the the creatine that we are talking about right now is the creatine stored in muscles in the form of phosphocreatine. So that's ninety five percent of the creatine in your body. The other five percent is like somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where. It
1: doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Um, So when you supplement creatine, you increase your stores of phosphocreatine, which is how it exists in your body. Um, Phosphocreatine is a form of stored energy in the cells, and it helps your body produce um, more of a high-energy molecule that Roy explained as ATP. So um, ATP is what your body is going to want to use the most when you're doing high-intensity exercise. So it's generally good to have more of that. Do you have anything so no i, th- I yeah. mean i
1: think that's great background and
0: more atp is gonna so is gonna equal better performance during exercise mm-hmm. so always good to have more of that um it will enable you to boost your workload so you might be able to get a few extra reps in that are good quality um it can increase your satellite cell signaling which aids in muscle se- muscle repair and growth so just like the way Um, You're able to get nutrients to your muscles. Yeah, yeah. Um, It can lift water content within cells. So a lot of people notice being more thirsty when they have creatine. For me, I notice that a lot. Um, And it can also increase your cell volume, which gives you a little bit of a fuller look. Usually people are like, oh, I gained like two to five pounds once I started using creatine and that will level off, but you should know that your cells are taking in more water. So you you are going to weigh a little bit more, but it's mostly water weight and hopefully some muscle is happening.
1: Yes. And I have heard, I've heard coaches before say like, that's a myth. Um, it doesn't really cause your muscles to Uh, hold on to more water it's just an ATP PC is it's the energy system it contributes to the energy system Um, it's both yeah as far as from everything I've read it's both Um, so it's not one or the other yes you are gonna hold more water in muscle cells Um, it's gonna make you look more full and most Mm. likely gain some weight when you first start taking creatine which is fine it's also going to supply you with more energy for short-term high-intensity yeah um, exercise and,
0: and it's probably going to help you recover better because it reduces the protein breakdown due, due to more ATP available so um your your movements and exercise are being fueled by the best and most efficient energy system
1: mm-hmm. um
0: instead of having to dip into those
1: well <laughs> i think best Is a dangerous way to state it, but most efficient, I would say. And yeah, and so with that said, that it reduces protein breakdown, um, there are obviously implications for recovery then Mm -hmm. too.
0: Yeah. Um, So basically... Creatine alters cellular processes that lead to increased muscle mass, strength, and recovery, which is why everyone should be taking creatine. Mm-hmm. I think I heard Ben Pakulski. I don't listen to him anymore, <laughs> but I heard him say once that like he thinks even kids should be taking creatine, and I really don't see a problem with that, like two to three grams a day, because they're obviously smaller, mm-hmm. but I think it's great.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and in, in some of the studies that I covered, we're going to get into, there are actually really great studies on um, creatine for things like cognition and mm-hmm. memory and um, recovery from injury and things like that. So we'll talk more about it. But I don't think there's any harm in anyone taking it. It's all, uh, we There's well-established evidence that it's safe, effective, and not only that, but it's incredibly cheap. So yeah. um, it's really a very low-risk, high-reward supplement.
0: I think most of the controversy comes in when people – um, try to figure out how they're going to supplement it. So there's two main ways of supplementing it. You can, um, load creatine or you can do just like a steady dose every day. So, um, there's pros and cons to each approach. I would say for creatine loading in a lot of studies, you'll find that, um, if you load creatine, which just means probably, um, four times a day, you take five grams of creatine, um, so you're getting 20 grams a day. So that means that it's absorbing faster into your muscle cells. Um, so you get more immediate results.
1: And that's generally only done for a period of five to seven days. Yeah.
0: Um, I would say cons are, um, I mean, your bowels like might not so be that happy.
1: I have to say that the, that's pretty anecdotal. Um, you're not, I'm not saying that you've experienced this. Um, I've
0: experienced
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> um I haven't personally dealt with that, but you're not the only person I've heard say that. Yeah. Um, like gastrointestinal distress, things like that. Um, but everything I've read, it's pretty anecdotal. So well, um, it could have to do with even some of that water yeah, retention that we were you're talking about. Yeah, a lot of water. Um, and... So yeah, maybe it'll happen. Don't, don't placebo yourself into it yeah. or anything like that because it seems pretty anecdotal. But some people... Report experiencing Mm gastrointestinal distress.
0: Yeah, so that's one of the cons. And then also, you're using a lot of the supplement up, so it might be a little bit more expensive because you are taking. If you're loading, if you're loading, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Creatine monohydrate is what I take, and it's generally pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, lasts a long time, but if you creatine load, you're going to be using a lot of the supplement a little bit faster. Um, it's higher maintenance because you have to do it like four times a day and it might be all for nothing if you plan on using creatine regularly. The jury's still out on that. Can you explain that? Like, Let's say you're creatine loading 20 grams a day for five days. The creatine is going to be absorbed faster into your muscles and you're going to get more immediate results. But after that, say you drop down to like three grams a day um, there are studies that say after like 30 days, it's pretty much the same where if you had just been taking three grams a day the whole time. Um,
1: so we'll eventually bit, you're going to get to the same yeah, spot. You're going to level sick. off.
0: It just depends on how immediately you want the results. Um, so the pros and cons of steady dosage are it's a little, the pros are it's lower maintenance, you're using less supplement over a period of time, you might not experience digestive issues as bad. Um, but here's the thing you might not experience digestive issues at all. Either way. Um, it gives your body time to acclimate. And so there might be a little bit less water bloating initially, a little bit less discomfort. Um, the cons are that creatine is absorbed less rapidly when you're doing a steady dose, which would typically be three to five grams a day, I think is what most people Mm do. Um, and then the results come slower, but they still come. As long as you are taking creatine Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so i have one study here that looks at loading versus just um steady dosage so this study looked at 31 male subjects who ingested different creatine in different quantities over varying time periods muscle total creatine concentration increased by approximately 20 percent after six days of creatine supplementation at a rate of 20 grams per day so that'd be loading this elevated concentration was maintained when supplementation was continued at a rate of two grams a day for a further 30 days in the absence of the two day two grams per day supplementation, total creatine gradu- concentration gradually decry- declined. So that means that if you don't uh, use that maintenance dosage after you load, it's going to gradually go down. So just loading is not enough. Um, let's see. So where is... 20% increase in muscle total creatine concentration was observed over a period of 28 days when supplementation was undertaken at a rate of 3 grams per day. So again, that that is, there was 20% for loading and 20% for steady dose. So they got to the same spot. Um, in conclusion, a rapid way to creatine load is to ingest 20 grams a day for, of creatine for six days. This elevated tissue concentration can then be maintained by ingestion of two grams per day thereafter. The ingestion of three, of three grams per, of creatine per day is in the long-term likely to be as effective at raising tissue levels at this higher dose. So they're both as effective. One happens more rapidly than another. So when would we recommend somebody loads versus when would we recommend somebody does a steady dose?
0: I think if you're planning on um, going into a bulk, and you've never used creatine before, mm-hmm. that would be a great time to utilize that because you're going to be eating more um, and you're going to be
1: better able to build muscle. So that would just give you a boost. Yeah, I think there are. there's evidence and maybe we'll get into some of this. I don't want to take up too much time with the studies, mm-hmm. um, but I, from what I read... Creatine is more effective in untrained people than in trained people. So I would definitely, if some if it's somebody's first time ever taking creatine yeah. and they're kind of new to training, I'm definitely going to have them load. Mm-hmm. Um, plus they'll get that little three to five pounds of body weight and they're going to feel awesome yeah. and it's going to make them want to train more and they're going to feel like they're getting results. Um, not to mention that, but if you're close, like if you are close to a competition or to a season... Um, of course you're going to want to be, if you're close to a competition where body weight is a concern, then you're going to want to be careful about that. But if you're going into football season and you're two weeks out, you're going to want to load to get that rapidly in your body, Mm -hmm. um, rather than do the the steady dose where it may take a little bit longer to increase your creatine stores. So Mm -hmm. there is a time and place for both. Um, and they're both effective. And in case anyone is wondering, that study was muscle creatine loading in men. Um, It was in the Journal of Applied Physiology, and it released in July 1996. All right, so now we're going to deep dive, you guys. You all know now what um, what creatine is, why people take it. Um, Now we're going to talk about its actual effects and kind of some of the mechanisms. So the first study was about creatine and cognition. So the study was called Effects of Creatine Supplementation on Cognitive Function of Healthy Individuals. Um, It was by, ooh, I'm gonna butcher this, Avgerinos et al. um, And it released in 2018. It was a systematic review, so it included six studies and a total of 281 subjects. In conclusion, they found that oral creatine administration may improve short-term memory and intelligence slash reasoning. One
0: second. Oh, if you're not taking it
1: orally, how are you taking it? I don't know, like shooting it up or something. Oh, I don't know, I'll honestly. Well, I think they're probably just... Do you set up the... No. I mean, <laughs> if it's not orally... Okay, okay. I think they probably are saying that because it's not like ingesting it through food, maybe? I don't know. That's stupid. Anyway, I'm going to start over. Um, in conclusion, creatine administration may improve short-term memory and intelligence and reasoning of healthy individuals but its effects on other cognitive domains such as long-term memory attention word fluency reaction time etc remains unclear findings suggest potential benefits for aging and stressed individuals so now we see that the benefits of creatine go beyond just performance
0: because also I think the other five percent of creatine stores are like, Somewhere important, like your brain or something. I'm serious. I, I, when I, I read it, it was like 5% is somewhere else. Okay,
1: I don't know. So I can't say if you're right or wrong. We're speculating. But you're speculating. We. <laughs> I'm not involved in this. Um, um,
0: But I think I'm right. Yeah. I mean, think it's cranial or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, that would make Science some sense. word. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty fucking awesome. It's going to make you... It's gonna improve your short-term memory, intelligence, and reasoning? Hell yeah, sign me up. And it's mm-hmm. like, what I mean, what do we pay for ours? We get a hundred servings for probably 20 bucks, something like that. With shipping. So get get yourself some creatine. Yeah. Um, now if we look at creatine and performance, and I honestly think the cognitive the cognitive aspect relates to performance too, because we have to make intelligent and reasoning decisions in sports. That's a huge part of sports. Um but talking about performance, strictly performance, um, a study called Effects of Creatine Supplementation on Performance and Trading Adaptations by Richard Kreider or Kreider um, that released in 2003. Of approximately 300 studies that evaluated potential ergogenic value of creatine supplementation, and for those of you who don't know, ergogenic just means performance enhancing, um, Around 300 studies have shown statistically significant results, while remaining studies have shown non-significant gains in performance. So that means that even if it wasn't statistically significant, there was gains in performance. Over over 300 studies. No studies have shown ergolytic effects. So that just means performance... Uh, Decreasing. decreasing. I don't know the.
0: De-enhancing.
1: De-enhancing. Um, short-term creatine supplementation has been reported to improve maximal power and strength anywhere from five to fifteen percent. Work performed during sets of maximal effort muscle contractions between five and fifteen percent. Single effort sprint performance one to five percent. Work performed during repetitive sprint performance five to fifteen percent. Creatine supplementation during training has been reported to promote significantly greater gains in strength fat free mass and performance primarily of high intensity exercise tasks. So anything that depends on short short bouts of high intense ex- high intensity exercise, creatine is going to help you whether it's hypertrophy, strength, endurance, anything like that.
0: I would like to make a disclaimer that a lot of people are probably not going to like um, Taking creatine is not going to make up for the fact that you got four hours of sleep yep. that night and the night before that and the night before that. And it's not going to make up for your bad eating patterns. That is a great so, point. So I think it's important to preface that like creatine is the last little bit of effort. I think there's no harm in taking it even if the rest of your lifestyle is not super conducive to gaining and taking care of muscle, I think you should still take it for other reasons because like we said, it can help with cognitive function, but it's not going to improve your performance if those other things are not even remotely in your control. Like if you're not taking, um, if you're not making your sleep a priority or you're not making your food a priority, not getting adequate protein in every day. So yeah,
1: no, I think that's a great point.
0: Yeah, Definitely. creatine is not a fix all, but it can help.
1: Yeah, for if, sure.
0: If you have those other things for tapped sure. into,
1: um, here's another one: performance and muscle fiber adaptations to creatine supplementation and heavy resistance training. This was by Volick et al. Um, in the article was from Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise in July 1999 so this study looked at the effects of creatine supplementation in conjunction with resistance training um, on physiological adaptations including muscle fiber hypertrophy and muscle creatine accumulation so it looked at 19 healthy resistance trained men and they were assigned to either a creatine or placebo group periodized heavy resistance training was performed for 12 weeks Creatine or placebo capsules were consumed for 25 grams a day for one week, followed by maintenance doses of five grams for the remainder of training. After 12 weeks, significant increases in body mass and fat-free mass were greater in creatine respectively um, than the placebo group, and it was 6.3% to 3.6%. So as Jen said, even the people that are taking placebos are improving, Mm -hmm. but that creatine is giving them that little bit of an edge and and actually doubling um, their gains in body mass and fat-free mass lost my spot um after 12 weeks increases in bench press and squat were greater in creatine 24 and 32 percent respectively compared to placebo which was 16 and 24 percent compared with placebo subjects creatine creatine subjects demonstrated significantly greater increases in type 1 type 2a and type 2b uh muscle fiber cross-sectional areas so greater hypertrophy um, for all the meatheads muscle total creatine concentrations were unchanged in placebo subjects which duh they didn't take any muscle creatine was significantly elevated after one week in creatine subjects so that loading obviously worked and values remain significant significantly greater than placebo subjects after 12 weeks i'm going to stop there because now they're just stating the obvious yeah um but again another great example of creatine works and yeah. it, it helps you out now here this next one I have two here that really get into the safety and efficacy of creatine, which I think is important to mention because the very first thing we talked about was how I've had clients that come to me and say that their doctors are warning them about the negative effects of creatine. And then I've got the parents that are freaking out. And it's like, I think that I can only guess that these doctors probably heard that in medical school or something like that, and they just ran with it. But... Mm -hmm. That shows why it's so important to do your own research and formulate your own opinions. Because all you have to do is type in creatine to Google Scholar, and you'll quickly see that there is hundreds and probably thousands of studies.
0: Well, the first study says that there's little to report in terms of adverse effects of creatine supplementation. That it does exactly what people think it does. Mm-hmm when you use it consistently, you use it smartly.
1: Yeah, so this gets at exactly that. This is called the adverse effects of creatine supplementation um, by Portman's and Franco, Franco, in the Journal of Sports Medicine. <laughs> the consumption of, of creatine monohydrate, okay, I'm not gonna read that.
0: It says there is little information on the possible adver- adverse effects of this supplement.
1: That's probably all you need to know. So, um, boom. So, Liver and kidney dysfunction have been suggested on the basis of small changes in markers of organ function and of occasional case reports, but well-controlled studies on the adverse effects of of creatine supplementation are almost non-existent. We have investigated liver changes during medium-term, four weeks creatine supplementation in young athletes. None showed any evidence of dysfunction on the basis of serum enzymes and urea production. Short-term five days medium term nine weeks and long term up to five years of creatine supplementation has been studied in small cohorts of athletes whose kidney function was monitored by clearance methods and other and urine urine protein excretion rate we did not find any adverse effects on renal function there is no damage to your kidneys okay next
0: I think if you're taking the right dose there's I can maybe if somebody was eating like the whole thing, but who's gonna do that? That's like that's like the artificial sugar argument, right? Like,
1: exactly. You'd have to drink like a million Diet Cokes in a day. Yeah,
0: and everything, anything can be bad for you in excess. Yeah. So I
1: think that's true. Um, and another thing, so I have heard, and I didn't look into this, which I probably should have, but I didn't get a chance. Was I think there is a pretty large number of people that are non responders to creatine, so they may not experience the positive effects. But it's not going to hurt you if you no. are if you take the correct dosage, well, like you said.
0: I think even if you're technically a non-responder, it's not like your muscles are going to be like, your muscle cells are going to be like, no, we don't we don't want this. I think like it's still going to be absorbed. I mean, you just probably won't really notice the effects. It's yeah. hard for me to imagine that something is going to go through your body and your body that is supposed to help your body and your body is just like, mm, that's all right. We don't need that. <laughs>
1: Definitely. Definitely. So this next one is probably the most comprehensive and – Um, The one I feel most confident, like if I had to do a debate with a doctor, this is what I would bring.
0: Yeah, let's do this one and then let's get into the questions.
1: Okay, so this is the International Society of Sports Nutrition's position stand. Safety and efficacy of creatine supplementation in exercise, sport, and medicine. Dropped in 2017. I'm going to read the abstract for you all. Creatine is one of the most popular nutritional ergogenic aids for athletes. Studies have consistently shown that creatine supplementation increases intramuscular creatine concentrations, which may help explain observed improvements in high-intensity exercise performance, leading to greater training adaptations. In addition to athletic and exercise improvement, research has shown that creatine supplementation may enhance post-exercise recovery, injury prevention, thermoregulation, rehabilitation, and concussion and or spinal cord neuroprotection. Additionally, a number of clinical applications of creatine supplementation have been studied involving neurodegenerative diseases like muscular dystrophy, Parkinson's, Huntington's disease, diabetes, osteoarthritis, fibromyalgia, aging, brain, brain and heart ischemia, adolescent depression, and pregnancy. These studies provide a large body of evidence that creatine can not only enhance exercise performance, but can play a role in preventing and or reducing the severity of injury, enhancing rehab from injuries, and helping athletes tolerate heavy training loads. Additionally, researchers have identified a number of potentially beneficial clinical uses of creatine supplementation. These studies show that short and long-term supplementation, up to 30 grams a day for five years, is safe and well-tolerated in healthy individuals and in a number of patient populations ranging from infants to elderly. Moreover, significant health benefits may be provided by ensuring habitual low, diet, low dietary creatine ingestion throughout the lifespan. So even if you're not planning on taking creatine, it's still a good idea to make sure you're getting it through your diet. And man, that is a lot of benefits and a lot of things that creatine can help with. And it's all across the spectrum. I mean, we're talking about um, gains with a Z. All the way to Parkinson's. That is, that's really incredible to me for something that you can buy on Amazon for $10. You know what made
0: me laugh when you said aging brain? I think you meant aging brain. No. It says aging Oh yeah, I guess it's
1: not (laughs) anti-aging. It won't keep you from aging. Yeah, you're Um, probably right about that.
0: Um. So in short, basically creatine supplement, I mean, sponsor us because (laughs) like we just
1: did some really good work in your favor. Oh yeah. So Um, I I did have a couple more. I'm just going to read the titles in case people want to look at them. Um, If you're not already convinced, which I don't know about. Okay. Anyway, they're called the effect of Creatine Monohydrate Ingestion on Anaerobic Power, Muscular Strength, and Body Composition. And then the last one is Effects of Creatine Supplementation and Resistance Training on Muscle Strength and Weightlifting Performance. And that one got into um, the differences in response between um genders which was pretty interesting and in short there is not much of a difference
0: yeah that leads perfectly into our first question so what are some ways that gender comes into play with us as trainers like with how we work with our clients
1: do you want to go first
0: um yeah i'll go first so um i'd like to preface that i have never coached um a man
1: before <laughs> <laughs> you coach me did I I mean
0: I don't know um but okay so I'm just gonna go from like what I've heard anecdotally mm. I've heard that typically women can tolerate higher volumes um at a little bit lower intensities because they don't use um like they don't have com- I, I'm okay they're not outputting the maximal amount of force or like neuromuscular force per rep as men typically do. So it's, they're not using like, God, it's so hard to explain.
1: Can I help you out a little bit? Yeah. And I don't know, I I can't quote word for word, but there's a great study or article from stronger by science that looks at um, the differences in training, women versus men mm-hmm. or identifying um mm-hmm. women versus men and you're totally right women can tend to handle more volume i can't remember the exact reasons why but it has something to do with Wait, substrate I think it's
0: at higher intensities because we're we're not using like
1: it's something about fiber recruitment yeah
0: we're not using all of our muscle fibers um or we're not using as many as um men are men typically yeah, do. So,
1: Yeah, like I said, I can't quote it for sure, but there's something there with fiber recruitment and there's something there with substrate utilization. So using carbs versus using fats Mm -hmm. or even creatine, like we talked about. Um, So there are differences in how we get the job done between um, men and women. Mm -hmm. And it seems that women can tolerate higher volumes.
0: Yeah, I will say though, that this is only really applicable once your athlete becomes more advanced that's when you should start thinking about this because if you have an untrained individual they're going to need a lot of volume and they're going to need um they're going to need like a progression in weights so i would only really consider like the differences in training men and women when you have an athlete who's plateauing mm. um or who's responding negatively to the volume or the intensity yeah per session
1: yeah for sure what do you think so I love where you left off because I do think that you should take a similar approach. Yeah. Um, there, are, Of course, there are tons of ways to get somebody stronger, get somebody faster, um, but I don't think that your approach has to be terribly different between a man and a woman. What I do think should be considered are um, just listening to biofeedback and making sure that you're collecting that from clients because um, women have menstrual cycles for the most part
0: yeah i would li- i would like to note that we are speaking on a binary and that's yes. that is just
1: and like, i'm glad you said that because i wasn't sure how to approach that yeah and i don't have the requisite knowledge to be able to speak mm-hmm. on um how this may differ for um a trans man or trans woman yeah. or someone that or does even, not identify um yeah. with binary genders
0: yeah and even like a like a cis woman who just has a higher concentration of testosterone it's gonna differ and, and you know that
1: that, that is happens. a real thing yeah and there's some really fascinating there was a woman who competed in the olympics and was disqualified because yeah, they because thought she was doping test yeah. but it was natural mm-hmm. um and it has something to do with chromosomes yeah which is really interesting so
0: i would just like to say that we're speaking on a binary and i hope Um, if there's a better way we can talk about this, I would love to hear about it because it's hard to go about like, um, scientific research when you want to say like identifying or, you know, trans. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, thank you for including that. I think that's very important. Um, but like I was saying, I, I personally take a similar approach, um, to training men and training women, but I do like I was getting into, I think biofeedback is much more important because most women have menstrual cycles and that can drastically affect energy levels recovery mm-hmm. the will to train yeah things like that so you don't have to obviously ask like hey are you menstruating you don't have yeah. to be like that but you can just just i like to when athletes are coming into sessions it can be really surface level how are you feeling mm-hmm. um are you sore but it could also be like a, a more objective or this is still subjective but a more quantifiable rating where maybe you ask zero to 10 how are your energy levels today? Things like that. So I just think it's good to be more cognizant of that. Um, I think
0: base at baseline, everybody can be trained the same until it's obvious that they
1: need something else. And then it's not as much for me, at least it's not as much men and women. It's more the sport. What are they trying to, or the goal? What are they trying to accomplish? That's more what dictates how I train somebody than their gender or lack thereof. And, um, The only other thing i would say is that this question actually came from my very first client who um uses she that she she her um Mm -hmm. and the i just the the patterns that i noticed were that um she tended to ask a lot more questions about the training we were doing which i loved um and just more interested in it I guess Mm -hmm. I don't know and that's a very general statement but like most of the boys or men that I train they just kind of like are they kind of tell me what to do and I'll do it and um more about like getting through the workout than it is um making it kind of an experience if that makes any sense I don't know or being intentional about everything yeah yeah Yeah. um but that's pretty much all I have on that front
0: all right number two how do y'all not compare yourselves to other athletes slash lifters
1: um, I can start on this one. I, I do, uh, mm-hmm. I think we all do I, to some extent. It's more about how do you deal with um, deal with it when you find yourself comparing yourself to other athletes, how do you respond to that? Um, because we, it's, I think it's, if you don't compare yourself to other people and other lifters, to some extent, I think like if you're a competitive person, you're going to. Um, it's more about how do you respond and how do you choose to handle that
0: Yeah, if you're responding like, well, they have blah, 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 and blah, 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 I think that's a negative response. And you could be using that competitive nature a little bit better, like, oh, I see that they're hitting this. I would really like to hit that and more, so what can I do? Um, I think – so I read the book, The Courage to be Disliked, and what they said is that – You should be comparing yourself, Mm -hmm. but you shouldn't be comparing yourself to where other people are. You should be comparing yourself to your ideal self. So where would you like to be Mm -hmm. and what are you lacking right now? Um, So I think that that's like everybody has their own goals in their athletic career and things that they feel will ultimately fulfill them. So what fulfills another person, their goal might not be the same for you.
1: I think you have to consider not just goals and athletic careers, but, um, priorities in life as well, yeah. because while well, one person may be, um, thrown around heavier weights than you, they might not be taking care of their family the same way you are. Mm-hmm. They might not be in as good of a space mentally as you are. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and their training age might be different too.
1: And you all, it's very, very true. Mm-hmm. They could be also doing other things that yeah. impact how fast they're getting strong. Um, we won't get into that, mm-hmm. but, um, Yeah, it's just it's really important to keep perspective and your priorities straight and know that to me, strength is not just how much weight you lift. Strength is who you are as a person and how you Mm -hmm. handle yourself. So um, I don't care if you lift more weight than me. I don't think that you're stronger than me because Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I try my best to live by my values every day and keep my priorities straight. And that's my number one thing. So Um, in short... I, I, we don't we we don't keep ourselves from comparing yeah. ourselves, but we try to keep perspective um, and stay focused on your goals and your yeah. priorities.
0: And and here, I think comparison is very natural. Um, I think like it should also be kind of encouraging. Being like this person did that, so that means that it's doable, mm-hmm. and more than that, it's probably doable too. Um, and then you know, depending on where your goals align, that can be your goal. So this person just inspired you, totally. Um, but yeah, take what take what you can learn too, um, and
1: there and there are exceptions to this, but in general, and we've all asked for help and had somebody not be very helpful or even be the opposite of helpful, and that can yeah. be very discouraging. But I'd like to believe that um, more often than not, when you ask somebody for help or ask somebody, you know, how did you? How did you get to where you are they mm-hmm. will be willing to give you sound advice um, any
0: good any good athlete any actually strong person will be like oh like they'll they'll try to help, help you yeah
1: and that's where the the conversation about true strength comes in and that a person like that is is strong in the sense of lifting weights and strong and in the, in the in the personality sense mm-hmm. um
0: all right. Yeah, we move I on? think we
1: should probably move on. But I think that's a great question and a great conversation. And I think it's something we should all be asking ourselves is not am I comparing because like we talked about, you're going to compare. It's natural. Mm-hmm. But how do you deal with it?
0: Yeah. All right. Number three, how do you plan out heavy days versus lighter days, main movements and accessories? What is a good balance for getting stronger but running your
1: but not, but running, not running
0: your body into the ground? Um, I don't do my own programming anymore, but I did my own programming for a long time. And I like the linear progression. Um, I know some people do wave loading. Linear progression is just like, I'm going to start with, um, for powerlifting, I'm going to start with more of a hypertrophy base. So the intensities are a little bit lower, but the volume is higher. And then you're going to switch to a strength block, which is 10. higher intensity, a little bit lower volume. Um, and these are on your main movements. So you're still doing accessories. The intention behind the accessory movements might be a little different as well. Um, it's really hard to talk about this because there's so much specificity that goes in it depending on your sport and what you're training for. Um, so if you're training, if you're not training for strength, I, I don't think that you should be peaking your strength very often. You should probably figure out what your goal is first. Before figuring out when do I need to have lighter days and heavier days. Um, but then you're going to have like your peak block and then your deload. Were, we gonna, were you going to say something?
1: um I guess I would want to just zoom out a little bit. Yeah. So, planning out, so structuring training, um periodization is just kind of like the overall structuring of training and progression. And there are. That's what I was talking tens about. Tens of. Tens of ways to do that. Um, There is, like Jen was mentioning, linear periodization or block periodization. There is undulating periodization. There is... Conjugate. Conjugate or concurrent training. There is triphasic training. There are millions of ways you can go about it. Um, But I would say the underlying principle in most of them is that you're gradually building up to um, the ultimate goal, whether it be strength or maybe... It's mu- like more muscular endurance or like Jen said a sports game or season you're gradually going to build up to that um, you don't want to just jump in and max out right away um, for your first week of training um, so underneath any good training program there is a well thought out progression I think that's the number one thing when it comes to heavy days versus lighter days this is going to differ depending on what model of periodization we're talking about so in linear Periodization. It's also going to differ depending on how many days a week you're training. If yep. you're only training three days a week, that gives you time for one heavy bench day, one heavy squat day, one heavy deadlift day, if mm-hmm. you're more in the strength powerlifting realm. Um, if you're training six days a week, then maybe you go one heavy bench day, one lighter bench day, one, 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 more, one bench day more focused on mm-hmm. accumulating volume or training for speed and power. So it all depends on how often you're training.
0: There's a there's a million ways to do it. I would suggest if this was if I was in this person's shoes, I would just look at other people's programming.
1: That's the biggest thing I think would be getting a coach or doing a program that's already yeah. structured for you.
0: Elite FTS has so so many free programs to like follow along
1: with depending on your goal and I'm
0: sure there's other resources online
1: and and when you do that Don't just don't be passive about it. Don't just do what's prescribed try and understand why they're prescribing what they're prescribing Mm -hmm. Now this person also asked about like dividing up main movements versus accessories I think every workout should have a main movement and then accessories should Fill up the rest of the workout for to to some extent. So and it, and again, it's going to depend on the goal. So like for an athlete, for me, I'm usually going dynamic warm up first. Um, then I'm doing some speed or plyometric work, and then I'm doing their main movements, whether mm-hmm. it be whether we're focusing on strength or power or peaking at that point in time. Then we're filling up the rest of the workout with accessories or conditioning. And
0: that's a good athletic like I, that's a good example for an athlete. But for me, like a, um, a strength Athlete. you would never want to do that no yeah See, i'm doing my warm-up then i'm getting my main movements out of the way Absolutely. because i'm going to need the most muscle fiber recruitment for so those it exercises. depends on where the priority is because yeah.
1: for the athlete if they're more if they're going to be more focused on getting getting faster mm-hmm. um becoming more powerful more bouncy more explosive whereas jen's just trying to lift the most weight she yeah. can and then so, i'm doing my accessories after. of course of course um so what is a good balance for getting stronger but not running your body into the ground? So just to kind of wrap things up on that first part, I would really recommend getting a coach or following a, a structured training program and trying different ones and seeing what works for you. Um, in terms of heavy days versus lighter days, I, I don't have like a good ratio for that. And like we said, it all depends on the training frequency. But just know that you you can't lift heavy all the time. Um, and you,
0: if you're lifting light all the time, you're probably not going to make great progress. If you if you're if you're a strength athlete,
1: it's all about finding that balance, and it's something that you have to experiment with to find what works for you. Some people can lift heavy a lot more often. Um, So it it just totally depends on what the priority is, what works for you, and on the individual. So try different programs, um, talk to different people, read different things, and just keep exploring. Nobody's gonna have the perfect approach, really ever, Um, but definitely not right at first. So just just keep experimenting with different things, talking to different coaches, and exposing yourself to different stimulus, and see what works for you.
0: And the last part of that question, let's briefly get it um champions take rest days what was
1: the last part
0: what is a good balance for getting stronger but not running your body into the ground eat food
1: yes
0: (laughs) eat food sleep um take take a few rest days probably not two in a row or three in a row depending on your training frequency um but you definitely want to split up those big training days
1: okay that is great advice that is great advice. I um, I guess my advice would be listen to your body, um, especially if you're on like a RPE program, rate of perceived exertion. If it says eight, don't max out. <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to do. We see this all the time. And that's why I don't really typically like RPE programs for beginners because mm-hmm. they don't know what a 10 feels like. They don't know what a eight feels like. Mm-hmm. So you have to really keep sight of the bigger picture um, and not...
0: Yes, keep sight of the bigger picture because is working out seven days a week and then being too tired and exhausted to lift the next three or four days, is that really going to help you in the long run? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you would have just done your three days a week steadily.
1: Another huge thing for me is being able to auto-regulate. So that that is in conjunction with listening to your body, but being able to swerve from whatever the plan was for that day, if Mm -hmm. maybe you have like some hip flexor tightness or I don't know any given thing and you're training whatever's on the sheet that day it's just not going to happen mm-hmm. you have to be able to um come up with an intelligent way to still get something in but not do anything that's going to harm your long-term progress yeah All right. finally I would just say I would just reiterate what you said about rest days um making sure that you're deloading from training every uh it's pretty it's pretty in Pretty arbitrary, not arbitrary, individual when you need it. But I would say every six to 10 weeks, um, take a deload where you're decreasing volume, decreasing loads and giving your body and your mind a break from training. Mm-hmm. Not only is that going to um, feel great, but when you come back, there'll be kind of a heightened sensitivity to the the training that you're doing and you'll get a little bit of what's called super compensation where mm-hmm. um, your body's now like, oh, and they, they come back even stronger. Yeah. Um all right. Hopefully that helps.
0: That's that.
1: So before we go, um, did you have any like recommendations on, in terms of music, books, um, movies, TV?
0: I watched a show called The Kingdom. I finished it all actually since our last podcast. There's three three seasons on Netflix now. Love that show. I'm also watching She-Ra right now, which is like, I think it's a playoff He-Man but I've never watched He Man. Um, in terms of music, um, Chica is kind of a newer artist. Um, I really liked her. With a K. With, yeah, C H I K A. I really mm-hmm. liked her album.
1: Yeah, I liked it too. All right, three. You got three. Okay, perfect. Um, so I, the new season of Last Chance You just came out. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's kind of it details like um, college football seasons at. JUCOs where resources are not great kids are coming from um, difficult life situations and they follow their pursuit to basically win a championship and and move on to higher levels of football I think it's a fantastic show Um, you probably have to enjoy sports to watch it but even if you don't I think it, there are some really endearing characters in each season some guys you kind of like you really start to root for and i just love i really miss like being part of a team so it's kind of um what's the word
0: nostalgic
1: not nostalgic like i'm living through them in a, a little bit i don't know what the right word for that is but that would it's be kind of like living through them that would be my show recommendation as far as music um I really like, I won't say really liked because I've only listened to it once so far, but I liked Amine's new album. I think it's called Limbo. Um, I liked the deluxe version of The Babys album, and then I liked the deluxe liked version. Uh, I did not like WAP. Um, <laughs> it made me want to rinse my ears out with soap. Um, you like WAP. I, I like hate it. <laughs> and then I also enjoyed Rod Wave's um, deluxe project. All right, guys. I mean, close all right, things out. So, so we're looking to um, get some guests on soon. If you yourself or you have anybody who you think would be a good guest for our show, please recommend them to us. Um, get in touch with us however you can. We really appreciate everybody listening and we would so much appreciate it if you went and shared this podcast, subscribed, left Liked a nice review. It. Um all that stuff, it really, it's pretty cool to see that people actually care about what we're saying, even if it's a small number of people. So we really, really do appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon.